0: Um, as I often do. Um. (laughs) Um, Often we talk here before we don't pass a plate around, right, but we have the boxes in the back, and we often like to say a prayer over our giving, but we also like to think about how we are blessed, right, not just with financial stuff, but with um, all sorts of things that God gives us. So here, I'll read what I have. So last week, I talked about how within the infinite blessings... We are given by our Heavenly Father. He has decided it fitting that the greatest of these gifts not be wealth or status or wisdom or even the gifts of the Spirit, but the vast, untapped blessing of one another. So that means you, that means the, the guy sitting next to you, right? Uh, maybe even that person across the way that you maybe never talked to before. Huh? <laughs> All right. We all need one another, right? And this morning I would like to uh, develop this thought perhaps a, a little further. In Ephesians 4, Paul speaks of the church, of church unification in this manner. Uh, he says, I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all in you all. But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, and the edifying of one another in the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about on every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men or in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, that is Christ, and from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So there are a few things to notice here right off the bat. Um, First, unity isn't just some organizational sticker to slap on your... uh, bumper sticker, so to say. Uh, it is the intentional state of endeavoring, as Paul says here, something developed out of a consistent working towards that unity. Secondly, the ultimate goal is that all may come to be part of this body. Perhaps part of the reason that we find that the church is ill-equipped or maybe falls short of its goals is that it has yet to receive all of its members. There are many important hands and feet that have yet to know that the, who they really are and what their true calling is. And thirdly, and I think perhaps most importantly here, unity doesn't rest on your shoulders. Unity will not be found in the church of Steve or the church of Peter or the church of Kent. It's going to be found in the church of Christ, right? And it isn't Christ who... It isn't Christ who plays a part part in each of our lives. It's really we who submit our portion in the life of Jesus. Paul says that we, everyone, have a measure of faith and a measure of grace, a measure of gifting and of purpose, and it is our job to follow him in that portion. Now don't get me wrong, we all have the fullness of Christ dwelling within us, but I think there is something to what Paul says here when he says, not that... In unity, we come to be individually perfect men, but that collectively, as a whole church, we make up a picture of who Jesus is singularly. You see, we don't just need each other. The world needs us to need one another, like Kent was talking about this morning, so that they too will see Jesus as we work and we play and we love one another excellently. So Father, we just ask that you would open our eyes to see one another as you see us. Open us to see the people we meet on the street, the people we see in our work, our family members perhaps, in a new way, in a new light of who you are, that we need one another, that there's something in the, per- the people around us that we need more than we would like to admit, and that there's something in us that the people around us also need, maybe more than we would like to admit. So Father, just help us to serve one another this week and to bless one another as you see fit in your name. Amen. Peter, thanks.
1: Surely I'll just add that to you right now. <clears throat> Thank you, Peter. When you know, when we were singing that last song there, I, the, and the way that we sang it, it brought me right back to the church 45 years ago on the summer of 1973 when I, was sitting on my steps on Watson Street. I was on the corner of Strait Street and Watson Street there in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I heard this music, and uh, I followed it, (laughs) and it was about two blocks away. And it happened to be the church that my aunt had told me that I should go to sometime, and they were singing like that, and it was hot, it was stuffy, it was a smaller church, not quite as small as that one there, but it was small, and it was, like I say, hot, and I remember the sweat running down my back, <laughs> and my shirt was sticking to the pew, And but I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit that night. And uh, this might be the day for you, Amen. or to receive Jesus as your Savior. It could be. I'll tell you, just a few announcements here. There is a fellowship meal following our service prepared by Adana Maria. And if you're guests here today, visitors, please stay for that if you can at all. Uh, you'll enjoy it. It's genuine. There's also a kid's kids menu, and it's this is what you call genuine Mexican food, too, so... Uh, just a congratulations to Kip and Tiffany Solberg, who were married yesterday. Um, and then also a note that six o'clock tonight at Beside a Community Church is a follow-up meeting of the Revive Minnesota. It's like a community, all of us getting together. And that's gonna be at six o'clock at Beside a Community Church this evening. And then also a special mission offering giving report you may remember the last few weeks we've been receiving offerings for uh, Herb Raman Shinko and uh, specifically for a pastor's conference that uh, he's at right now and, and he's helping to conduct. And we were able to receive $1,360 for that. So that was just a great boost for them and uh, a great blessing, and continue to pray, though, for Herb, and his wife is with him, and for these these conferences. And then also, just looking ahead a little bit here at the Labor Day weekend, that Sunday, which is the Sunday before school begins, we're going to have a, a prayer blessing over backpacks that day, just to let you know that. And uh, And so we'll be praying as a church family for God's blessing, favor, and protection over all of our those that will be going to school. And then also an invitation from Dave and Joan Pomp today, the Fellows Museum at Tin Strike will be open. Did you know there was that? Um, and there's some pictures, I believe, that we have. It's really pretty neat. The second building on the left there, that's, uh, that's actually the Shiloh Presbyterian Church. But uh, you can go there and you can just see what Ten Strike was like at the turn of the the last century, and uh, so pretty interesting. Yeah, the first building is the old school. Yeah, under really that's that's kind of where our church is right now, where that school is. So it's kind of interesting. Well, we have a special guest here this morning. Shirley, I'll have you come on up. Uh, Shirley, many of you know her. Let's welcome her back to Tint Stray. I'll help you get up to her. Shirley was with us for several years as part of our, well, she's still part of our church family, you know. This is her home church. And uh, but the last two years, she's been at Karis Bible College in Woodland Park, Colorado. Joyce and I were able to go visit her there and be a part of the minister's conference last October, and that was so good. It's just a beautiful place. Pike Point, you can see Pike Peak, not Pike Point, out of their windows there on the one side of the school building. But uh, Shirley's been there studying And when we were there, I said, Shirley, when you come back again next summer, could you please share the word with the congregation and share your testimony and those things. And so that's what Shirley's going to do. We're so glad to have you here. Hallelujah. Amen.
2: Got it. Well, I just can't tell you how happy I am to be here. I feel blessed to be asked to speak uh, to the congregation. And I, as Steve said, I I was I have been in Colorado going to Karis Bible College, and I actually graduated from Karis Bible. You know, so it really happens. So uh, I have a minister's license in Colorado, and if I apply other places, I, could, I can also have that. I'm going to go back for a third year and I'm going to study practical government because that's really, really my heart is to make an impact in government. Um, I think there's such a need and not everybody wants to do it, but maybe some of you know that that is my background. I spent 25 years in the executive branch of government in Minnesota so in education. So I have kind of the background knowledge and I have the heart for it. And frankly, the intestinal fortitude for it. And so I'm just, I'm going to go forward and do that. But I'm a member of this church. This is my, I consider this to be my home church. So I'm just so pleased to be here. And I'm just so happy to be with so many people that I would call friends and mentors. Believe me, all of you can probably attest to the fact that I needed plenty of mentors when I came here. And I'm going to go into that in more detail. But I'm just so thankful. For all of my mentors. And it's my prayer that I can be a mentor as time goes on, too, as I learn more and I am more able to do that. I'm thankful for Pastor Steve and Joyce. They have provided so much leadership to this community. And you know, there are some students that I go to school with that drive about 150 miles to a church that's a word, good word-based church. And here in 10 Strike, we have it right here, and we are blessed. And it's my prayer today that what I have to say will inspire you so that you will get to know more of Jesus. I guess that's what anybody who speaks in church wants to do, is to have people understand more of Jesus, and that's really what my plan is, is today to do. So I'm going to talk to you about a foundational um, learning and and teaching that I have had at Karis Bible College, and that is about spirit, soul, and body. And probably some of you have even read some of that, and many of the teachers, Andrew Womack is one of them, Dwayne Sheriff is another, many of them speak about spirit, soul, body. And I'm going to ask you three questions. Do you want to know... Who you are in Christ? Do you want to know what you have in Christ? Do you want to know what promises Christ has for you? If you want to know those things, if we learn about spirit, soul, and body, we're going to be better able to understand those things. The scripture that I'm going to be working with today is 1 Thessalonians 523, and Paul was speaking to his converts when he said, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be presented blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to talk about three things today. One is, what is your spirit? What is your soul and what is your body? And the connection... I think that's pretty, mus- less, pretty universally misunderstood. And then how do we connect more with our spirit and more into, get more into our spiritual realm? Because that's where our peace is. That's where we're going to answer the questions, who we are in Christ, what we have in Christ, and the promises of Christ. So there, as, this, as the scripture says, that we're a spirit, soul, and body, and you know, actually, we're one third each or one-third body, or one-third soul, and one-third spirit. And when we're born again, our spirit is perfect, sealed and perfect. We can never not be sealed and perfect. And that's to me, that's a joyous thought. Now our bodies and our souls, we need to kind of have them come along with us, and that's some of what we're going to be talking about today. So the body, we know what the body is, right? It's our casing. It's how I know it's Kent, I know it's Joyce, and I know it's Joyce Senior, and I know who you are based on what your body looks like. And we also then have a, a soul, and that's a little harder to differentiate because our soul is many things. It's our conscience, it's our mental and emotional part, it's our minds, our senses, our personalities, our will, All make up our soul. So, for example, if I ask you, what is this? It's a book. Well, how do you know that? Because we can see, right? We have the sense, vision is one of our senses, and we can see that. And we connect that to our mind, which says, oh, guess I've seen one of these before. I know what that is, and that's a book. That's our soul. And that has, that has treated us very well. It's, it's how we've learned to interpret the world. We don't want to discount the soul. We want to say it's bad, but we just know that that's our soul. I want to give you another example of a soulish experience I had with my daughter. My 40-year-old daughter, who hasn't lived in this country for 18 years, and of course, I have a little edge on that. You know, I don't like that very well. So she called me, and she was in Bali this time. And so I hadn't talked to her for about three weeks, and I was really happy to hear from her. So my spirits were way high. And then I thought, within that conversation, well, I'm not going to see her till Christmas time. So where did my spirits go? Down. Then she was talking, 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 and she was talking about her work that she was doing. Well, as any parent knows who has an adult child, you like when your kids are working, so that was good, you know. So then I lifted up again. And then at the end of the conversation, I just felt sad again. So what was I? was I a yo-yo. You know, I was this and up and down and up and down. Well, that was my soul, soulish experience. It was right in my face right then, and it was really hard to think. I'm one-third spirit. <laughs> you know, I didn't think about it right then. I thought that I really don't like this conversation is what I was thinking. I had an experience in Walmart the other day. I, don't know, I had, was going through the checkout counter, and I had the opportunity right there and then to help somebody, one of the checkers, who I felt needed help to understand what her job was and how to do it a little bit better. <laughs> and you might have had a similar experience. And then I thought, well, and I have been studying spirit, soul, and body, and I thought, I think my soul is kind of rising up here. And so I just took a breath, and I took a note, mental note at that checker, and I thought, you know, I don't think I'm going to ever go to that checker again, first of all. That's one option, and then the other option is just to read the magazines that are lined up, look at the gift cards and think, oh, this is such a cute one, and on and on. And so I went through it. But again, that was right in my face because, you know, I was busy. I had things to do. And so I thought, okay, this is really a good example of a soulish experience. And I think we can probably all identify with that. We have these soulish experiences that it it feels like us, doesn't it? It feels like, well, that's who I am. When I'm at Walmart and the checkers being slow, What how I do that is I react and I get disgusted and I have every right to do that because you know, I'm a busy person. So I think what, what I'm saying about this is that our senses and our thinking and our drawing conclusions, our feelings, our conscience, all of that, we were born with that and, and thank heavens we do. When we see a hot stove we don't need to touch it because we have Experience with that, so it's good to a point, but then to the other point, when we're, when it's out of control, and we're not acting on our from our spiritual realm, that's when we start getting into trouble. And I can just tell you that I've used my spiritual, my I use my soulish realm for 60 years. I know I don't look that old, but I am, <laughs> actually. Uh, 60 years, I completely lived in the soul. And when we combine body and soul, we call that our flesh. And so I, I lived a fleshly life. And I think that many people that you know, of course you're not one of them, but many people that you know, could, you could probably point and say, yeah, we've, I've lived in, in, in a soulish life. I've, I've let my body and my soul, and my soul decide my actions I'm gonna tell you a little something about myself here, and when I do this, I don't want you to say, oh, poor Shirley, she's just had such a bad life and it's so bad and all that. I'm not telling you for that reason. I've had some things that have been difficult, but the reason I'm telling you is because if I can go through it and come out the other end, because God's no respecter of persons, you can too. So for the first 60 years of my life, I was depressed. And not situationally depressed, but just plain depressed. And there were probably reasons for that. But one of the things, I, I, um, I was starved as a baby. For three weeks, I didn't have enough food. I cried for three weeks, didn't gain weight. And you know, at the time, Dr. Spock was really big in ter- determining how kids should be raised. And at that time, babies were supposed to just cry it out. Well, I, was, I didn't, wasn't. I didn't have enough food, so it wasn't a behavior thing. I just didn't have any, enough food, and finally they realized it. My mom didn't have the proper milk, and um, so I. Uh, they gave me the proper food, and I stopped crying. But there's a thing in, <clears throat> that I know about in my own spirit that terror that I felt because nobody could help me. Excuse me. Let me drink here. Mm-hmm. I was also sexually uh, abused as probably a two-year-old, two, two and a half. And the thing that it did for me is that I stopped speaking because I was told by the perpetrator, if you talk, you will be hurt. So I didn't speak for about seven years. And I don't mean I didn't ever say one thing, but uh, I didn't say much. Um, In school, if I had to say I was there I would just kind of raise my hand and as many of you know when you're a good girl you can be very you're not noticed in school so I just wasn't plain noticed and so um, my teachers would tell my mom and my mom would tell me your teacher says you don't ever say anything in school well I didn't know I just didn't speak that's the way it was I was chemically depressed not situationally depressed I was suicidal at times. I had undiagnosed and untreated mental illness. I was bipolar. I had anxiety attacks. I had all kinds of stuff that was just, you know, well, uh, mental illnesses. And I was profoundly lonely. You can so well imagine with all of that going on. I wasn't a good friend, and people probably didn't want to be around me. I've many, made many, many bad decisions in my life. And then when the circumstances would occur, it would just get worse. 1 John 4.19 says, He loved us before we loved Him. And that sticks with me because He loved me. I didn't know it. I had no way of knowing it. But that was happening. And for about Like 65 years, I lived without knowing much about him. I was baptized as a Lutheran. I went to the Methodist Church a little bit. But there was no relationship with God taught. And I was searching, 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 so I drifted into new age. Because there, I was told that I was in control. If I did the right thing, I could heal myself would stop the depression. If I had the right thoughts, my job would go well. Prosperity would come my way. In other words, I was in control of everything. And that fit with what I knew, so I went along with it. And actually, my life was kind of, kind of played itself out okay like that, because things, my life did on the outside look okay. I had a good career, my family was fine. All of that, but, That was all in the natural. It was all up here. And then, in 2005, I had a crisis. Everything fell apart. Everything fell apart. My family was a mess. I had to leave my life in Las Vegas and take care of my mother, who was aged. My marriage was difficult. I had a couple of lawsuits against me. And I finally learned that I was um, I had undiagnosed and untreated mental illness. So John 5:30 comes to mind: I can of my own self do nothing. I finally came to that point where I knew I could do nothing. Well, my mom, who I was taking care of, knew Sarah Pomp at that time was Pomp and she knew that I needed to talk to somebody, so she said, well, Sarah's dad, I think his name is Steve, Sarah's dad is a minister out there, you know, in 10 strike. Well, why don't you go talk to them? And so I thought, well, I sure need to talk to somebody. So I called Steve, and and Joyce met with me the same day. And that was January 17th, 2005. And I remember that day perfectly because I still have my card that says that I gave my life to the Lord that day. And Pastor Steve and Joyce were so kind. And they told me things that I had never even thought of before. They told me that Jesus loved me. I thought, oh my gosh, I'm such a mess. Jesus loves me. And, And Steve said, yeah, Jesus does love me. And he said that if you want to be born again, then... You'll have salvation, and you will be assured of going to heaven. And I thought, well, that's great, but, you know, I'm such a mess. And he said there's an, a gracious, undeserved, that having salvation is, is a gracious, undeserved gift of God. And I would have eternal and spiritual deliverance from sin and consequences. And I would be able to get out of this pit. So on November 11th, 2005, I said, thank you, Jesus. I was born again. Thank you, Jesus. And, you know, if I could tell you that I had a complete upward trajectory at that time, I would say that the minute I was born again, boy, things just got better, you know. But that's not the case. My best friend, Joyce Senior, came beside me. And as people were talking today, they said, I don't know how she kept doing it, but every day she would help me with everything. And so she was there with me the whole time while all this was happening, even though it was difficult. And I'm sure it was difficult for her to watch this. But over time, my daughters began talking to each other and to me. The lawsuits that had plagued me kind of dissolved. I got rid of the mental illness. It just evaporated. Thank you, Jesus. And my husband, And my mother, who I was trying to take care of, my husband taking care of my mom, he was in Detroit and my mom was here and everybody wanted me to be where I couldn't be, two places at once. And they've passed, but things got resolved before they passed, so that was wonderful. So I needed, though, to understand about the spiritual realm because everything was right here, you know, it was all soul. So thank you, Jesus, that I wanted to know what I had in Christ. I wanted to know who I was in Christ. I wanted to know the promises that were mine. And I, from what Steve talked about, I could tell that there was a difference between what was going on in my face and the spiritual realm. And so what I have learned since is that, you know what, there's no connection between that spiritual realm, or that soulless realm, and the spirit realm. They don't connect. They don't speak to each other. So we have to, as people, make that connection, otherwise we're not going to know what they are. I think that's one, actually, of the problems of our Christian life. I think that it's a problem for people when we listen to Ephesians 1, 18-20 that says we have the same power in us that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. If we are only in our soul, what are we going to say to ourselves? I can't do that. I can't raise somebody from the dead. If we listen to 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the Bible says that We're a brand-new creation in God, and we can do the same miracles that Jesus did. If we're in our soul, we look around and think, well, I can't do that. So we start tearing out pages of the Bible, don't we? We say, no, I can't do that. No, I can't do that. We hear Pastor Steve say, you're healed. Isaiah 53, 5 says, By his stripes, you are healed. Well, we've got this pain. So we say, well, that part's not true. Then we hear that we have all we need in prosperity. We have that and more. And we look at our checkbook and we say, well, that's not true. We start deciding that we're going to cherry pick the Bible. And we're going to say, some of these things are true, some of them are not true. Therefore, I have to kind of question you know, if it's really true. And I think that's a huge problem that we have as Christians, and a huge problem we have as mentors to help people understand, no, those promises are ours. We've got the soul stuff in front of us, we're looking at it, it looks like that's our reality, but that's not our reality. That is not our reality. Our reality is that we are one-third sealed, perfect spirit. And we can move that so that it becomes bigger than just one-third. I love these sounds, yeah. I hope mine doesn't go off. It won't be my daughter from Bali, so I don't have to worry about it. And, you know, just, just as a aside, I had an opportunity to get some real soulish behavior into, with, my, with my daughter the other day, the one that travels the world all the time. And I even know better, you know, but I really did some soulish behavior. I just told her what I thought about all of her travels and how she doesn't visit me enough and she doesn't pay enough attention to me enough. And I think it kind of took her back a little bit, you know, because as a kid she kind of thinks, well, you know, mom's here forever and whatever. So it's so easy, I guess, for us to go into that soulish behavior. And like I said just the other day, I had the opportunity to do that. And now I'm gonna have to make amends and then I have to backtrack all that stuff. It would just been easier to realize, I don't need to say that stuff. I could think it maybe, but I don't need to say it. Anyway, so that's an aside, but you know what? I have an answer and I've been to two years of Bible college and I've talked to Steve and Joyce and Joyce Senior for years and I know what it takes to get into the spiritual realm. I know you're all waiting. You know what it is? Something that you've heard a thousand times. You need to get into the Bible. There's no other way out. And you probably are all thinking, well, I'm sure Glad Steve brought her up here to talk about that. I think I know that. But the point is, is that we can know something and not do it, can't we? So really, we, there is really only one way to get out of that soulish behavior and move into the spiritual realm. We have to know the word. We have to know that word so that when we, in my case, when I, met my, when I was t- talking to my daughter, who I think now is in Turkey, but when I was talking to her, I just moved into that, that soulish behavior without checking myself first. Um, the Bible, of course, says to love, and that's what I didn't do. I mean, I love her, but I just got ticked at her. So I guess the way then to access all of this is that we have to read the Bible. And if if we were to say that the best way to do this is to take an hour out every day and read the Bible, then we would all sitting around here say, well, I guess I can't do that either. So maybe not only is the Bible not true, but I can't do that regimen, especially if we read it once a week. But what we can do, can't we, incrementally, we can increase our word knowledge, our word with our time with the word, because that's really how we're going to move into the spirit. So that that soulish behavior that's just hitting us in the face all the time, we can move out of that, and we have a better response for it. So I'm going to say, and I'm going to encourage you, to read the Bible. Not listen to Kenneth Copeland, read scripture to you listening to praise and worship is wonderful but you really have to read the bible and that's what i'm going to admonish you to do the other thing we are so blessed in this church because pastor steve and joyce tell us to pray in the spirit you know there are some churches that you can't do that and say it out loud or you're not going to be a part of that church 1 Corinthians 14.2 says, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto man, but unto God. For no man understands him, howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. So when we speak in tongues, we're speaking directly to God. There's nothing in between that. It doesn't go through our head. It's right directly to God. And we, we really need to practice that. And again, it's a time issue, isn't it? I'm a busy person. I don't have time to do that. And there's no way that I can say, yes, you do, and make that true to you. But I think incrementally, doing it a little bit at a time, we get to the point where it starts to be a, a habit, and we want to do it. Meditating on the Word is another one of the things that we know we need to do. And then speaking the word is one of the other things. We are we really need to watch what we say about ourselves and about others. We really need to make sure that we're saying only what we know to be the truth. And though that's a difficult thing because I think the world tells us that we really can can say anything we want and we can believe in Murphy's law and all of that but the fact is is that we are the righteousness of God. I've gone through other healings. I had one that was recent. I I had a a cough after flu. I got a respiratory thing that ended up being about a 14-month cough. And uh, when I was in England and Ireland on a mission trip, I got rid of it. And it's not because I hadn't had a lot of prayer before, and it's not because I hadn't a lot of people thanking the Lord that I was healed. I think it was simply that I believed it. I finally believed it. I was healed, and I got healed. Um, I was on a ferry between England and Northern Ireland. I got healed right there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So all the healings I've had, I'm just here to tell you that I have done what I said that I'm recommending for you to do. And you know what? It works. It works. And that's why I'm so committed to telling anybody who will listen the same thing. And it will change your life in a way that you just can't even imagine. So thank you, Jesus. I, I just appreciate so much the time that I've had with you. If there's anybody here that has not been born again, we're going to have prayer ministers up here, please come up. That's the first step to freedom. If anybody wants the prayer language and you don't have it, our prayer ministers also can help you with that. And then just anybody who wants prayer, come up because... We're here to do that. We're here to stand in agreement with you that, yes, you are healed. Yes, your bank account is full and more than you need. You do have salvation. And we're going to stand on that. We're not going to say anything other than that. And I want to just give an example of that. My friend Joy Sr., many of you know, had something that the doctors could define as a disease. We don't even need to know what it's called. But she stood on the healing. And I was 800 miles away, and I talked to her every day. And I knew that she wasn't feeling well. I could just tell from her voice and what she talked about. And I didn't ever ask her, well, really, how do you feel? Really, how are those bumps on on your back? How do they really look? Because you know why? I didn't want her to say the words. That's how powerful it is. We can't even say the words. We have to be so careful what we say. Because when we say it, it God thinks we believe it. And we're not going to believe that stuff. So anyway, if you want to come up, if you, if you want prayer, we're here. Um, if you just want to say hi, I'll be up here to say hi. But thank you so much. I just enjoyed being with you so much.
1: Thank you. Well, you know, i mentioned surely that she received her healing when she finally came to the point where, what did you say? Do you remember? That you really believed that already. Well, why don't you step down here a second. Um, that she received that healing. It was 14 months. Yes. She was having this cough, and I know what it was like when we were there in October. Yeah. That was really a hack and away type. cough. I mean, it was from way down in here. But uh, prayer, lots of prayer and all that. But then when you were between England and Wales, you said? Yeah. Ireland, Ireland. Um, you came to the point where you believed that it was already done? Is that what you said? Was. I, I finally believed it. Here, yeah,
2: thank you. I finally believed it. And I don't know how that happened. The Holy Spirit, I guess, said, you believe it. and I, So I believed it. And it happened. And I was. I mean, I, I, I nearly choked to death once. I coughed so much that I don't know if you've ever coughed so much that you feel your tongue is going to come out. I coughed that much. And um, one of the things that happened to me, I had Andrew Womack pray for me. And I, I told him, I said, you know, I've had this cough for 14 months. Well, he knew it because, of course, I, I'd been walking out of his class many times. And he said, okay, that's too much. So he put his hand on my back. And do you know what I felt. I felt something go up to my throat, and I thought, you know, Satan, I mean, I could speak like this to this group, I wouldn't speak like this to everybody, but that was just Satan back there, and he moved up to my throat, and I thought, okay, and that helped me understand that was not me, that was Satan getting in my business, and so I think that was one of the things that helped me get that healing, because when I felt that same thing that was in my back up in my throat, I thought, no that's not right you know that that is not god
1: and it's it's a done deal it's like kent was saying the cross through the cross yes everything you, jesus. has been done it's all by the blood of jesus yep. when we say the blood of jesus we're talking about his sacrifice that's right that he made for us on the cross and it it covers all these things everything it's and
2: thank you jesus we're on the other side of the cross we don't have to think about all this stuff that could be wrong and that is wrong with the world. We're on the other side of that, it's already been done. And I'm sure Jesus gets tired of us saying, oh please come and heal me, oh please check, get my checkbook and all that because he's done that.
1: Andrew Wommack has a book, that's called You've Already Got It, Why Are You Trying to Get It? And on the cover of it is a dog chasing his tail. <laughs> and when we were there in Colorado, I got to speak with Andrew Womack there, and and I had, had just I had just actually on CD I was listening to these, and I told him I just I just want to thank you. I said I've really got a revelation of this reading or listening to your CD about why you're trying to get it. You've already got it through Christ Jesus, you know. And he looked at me and he says. That was such a great revelation in my life when I saw that. You know, the Bible speaks in past, uh, surely, I always always think of you when I say that, surely, Uh surely he is born, he has, say that, has has born our sicknesses and carried our pains. Well, you just meditate on that a while concerning that infirmity or whatever it is in your life. It's a done deal. Why are you trying to get it? You already got it. It dawned on Shirley between Ireland and Wales on the ferry that she already had it. Yes, thank you. never know when that's going to come. I heard Kenneth Copeland just yesterday uh, with his convention down there in the city and on the cities in uh, yeah, south of Dallas. Uh, he he said. There comes a point where the scale is tipped, and it's no longer a thing. you're trying to get it anymore. You've got it. He says, that's when true faith is there, and it's done. You just know it. Thank. You,
2: Jesus. Yeah. And when you just know it, you can tell others, and that's the blessed part about that. I hope all of you can understand where I came from. I, I tried to paint a picture of where I came from. I'm, I'm through school now in Bible college and I don't need that constant reminder that God loves me. You know, and I'm sure Joy Sr. is pretty thankful about that because, man, she spent hours with me on that. But thank you, Jesus. You know, and now I can tell others and I can say, you can do this. You can do it. But you are not going to do it. It's not going to come to you by osmosis. So I gave you those profound things that I just told you about reading the Bible. But it is profound. It's profound, you have to do it. Amen. 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 Well, Thank before God we Jesus.
1: close and before we have others come up, for prayer, I'd like to have prayer for you, Shirley, Thank and you. what the Lord has for you. And anybody, let's if if it's all stand. If it's on your heart to come, let's stand over here, Shirley, this way If anybody else wants to come up here and lay hands on Shirley we're going to pray for her there's things that she's working with well, I, won't, I won't get specific but it's going to be with Andrew Wamuk and even with the school there uh, but then also some things with government are coming, this is what she's going to be doing this next year is that government class and hallelujah, Lord we thank you, we thank you we thank you someone else, your honor Lead in prayer. Mom, I'm gonna have you lead in prayer. I'll hold it for
3: you. <laughs> oh, Father, <clears throat> we can't humbly go to that throne of grace and know that you are the answer yes. because of what Jesus did on the cross. Yes. That That's the center of everything, Father. And behind that cross is your marvelous, marvelous love. Thank you, Lord, that it's a love beyond what we can express. And this morning <laughs> in a devotion that I had well, <laughs> we just about lost it this morning. <laughs> the love that God has is is it, it covers everything. It covers His mercy. It covers His goodness. It covers His tenderness. It covers His whatever you need. And and Lord, I just thank you, thank you, thank you that whoever is here today. If you've got a need, don't wait. Mm -hmm. Come and let him minister to you because it's he who does the ministering. It isn't us. We're just vessels that are willing to be used if we have to be, but it's him that is doing it. It's, It's that love of God, that tremendous, tremendous, tremendous love of God. You will never, never, never be able to understand until you get into, <laughs> into that pleasant, pleasant position of one on one relationship with Jesus that's the only answer that one on one relationship it can't come by osmosis it has to come by one by one person and that's Jesus alone Jesus alone yes. hallelujah hallelujah As I laid my hands upon her, I just, the Lord, the Holy Spirit said, she's a diamond among us. And you know a diamond, when it's first taken out of the, uh, uh, it it looks like a regular stone, but when it's cut, when it's it's shaped, when it's uh, polished, and then uh, it's a beautiful thing, and that's what's happened. And so she's, when we lay our hands on her, we know that she's a diamond among us. When I put my hand under her elbow, the Lord was impressing on me that we as a church hold up the hands that hang down. And whatever lies ahead, that we're to support her in prayer and just that she would know that we're standing with her.
1: Yes. And I believe the Lord is saying, "Truly, I was with you in your mother's womb. I knew you there as you were formed. Through all those years, through all the pain, through all the trials, I was there. I was hovering and covering and protecting, even in the midst of all the circumstances and things that took place. And yes, I am in you now, I am with you now, I am for you now, and I believe the Lord is saying that He's going to continue to be guiding and directing you in all things in this next year at college, the Bible College. And he will show you specifically how to do what you need to do, what he's calling you to do. Not to even be concerned about because he's gonna unfold it. (laughs) He's gonna unfold it and it will be there. Just in a sense, it's it's really all of that is already done too. Because see he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He's already there at those points. Hallelujah, and that's true for each one here this morning in your lives. The same things really that were just spoken over surely are true with with you, with each one of us, and for the future. He's already there, so you don't have to be afraid about it or fear for the future, because he is there already, and it's prepared, the way it's prepared, what we need to do is trust. Amen? So... If you would like prayer to receive Jesus as your savior, to receive the baptism in the spirit, or prayer for healing, you just come forward. And remember, there's a fellowship meal today. I wanna welcome you to stay for that. God bless you all abundantly, amen.